Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we'll speak with one of our therapists or collective members and chat about a mental health topic using a queer lens. And I am your host, Renee Johnson, licensed professional clinical counselor, art therapist, and founder of Open Space Therapy Collective. This week, we're chatting with collective member Jenny Nigro. Jenny has spent the last 10 years working in nonprofit mental health, both in New York and California. We're really excited to talk with them today. As we dive into today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast and we will talk about sensitive issues. If you would like to be informed of any trigger warnings, please read the podcast description. Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. And I am so stoked today because we have Jenny Nigro with us, who has officially joined OSTC as one of our therapists. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. I'm super excited to officially be able to be a therapist with OSTC and really dive in a little bit more. So thanks, Renee. Yeah. Um, So today we're going to talk about asexuality. And I've, I feel like this one has a lot of misconceptions around it. Um, and so we're going to pull it apart and poke at it a little bit and um, see what comes up. Um, but I also think that this would be a good one if any of the listeners have any other questions about this or comments about it, to please let us know, because this is a topic that was requested um, by one of the listeners. Um, and I think it's a really good one because this one can is really stigmatized for sure. It definitely is. And like any sexuality or orientation, it's so broad that we for sure are not going to hit on everything. So would love to hear follow-up questions um, if there's something specific that we missed or that people just want to know more about. Totally. Okay, what's up the scene? Um, what <laughs> broad strokes, because this is big, so we're not going to everything like you said but what is asexuality well in the simplest terms asexuality is a sexual orientation in which a person does not feel sexual desire for another person mm-hmm. so folks who identify as asexual will often uh, refer to themselves as ace so uh, when i talk about it i tend to use that interchangeably with asexual um and in contrast to people who are allosexual, which is the opposite, they do not consciously feel desire or sexual attraction to other humans and don't want to engage in sexual relationships with them. That's kind of the basic definition you'll get if you Google it, which I may or may not have done just. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I, I like, that you kind of brought up the spectrum of it because people who identify as ace also won't always be at the far end of like i've got no sexuality um desires this is not just not who i am or what i'm interested in sometimes there is some movement towards the middle or towards the gray a little bit um and that can vary a lot depending on the person so that's a great description of the umbrella mm-hmm. aceness. What's 
you know, and as you say that, I've got like client um, questions popping up in my head, but is it possible to be ace with some people, but not ace with other people? Like, where does that switch into low libido or lack of sexual attraction towards a certain type of person or even like and there's there's some demisexuals who get confused here because a demisexual is somebody who it needs to get to know somebody and is attracted to the, the person themselves not necessarily a body right it does get tricky trying to sort of wade through all these different particulars but in general just to clarify demisexual is like you said someone who only experiences sexual attraction following like a deep connection with a person um and gray asexual or gray ace refers to anywhere along the line between like zero attraction attraction in some specific circumstances to some specific people at some times and not others. And it's really one of those things where we're trying to like codify something that can't necessarily be codified. And because, you know, we're talking about this under the queer umbrella, I think it's okay that we can say we don't, you know, we don't necessarily have the language yet or, um, it's really one of those things that's up to the person experiencing it to define, as is anything. But I think especially this, because there is a lack of, of language and conversation around it at this point. Yeah, that's a great, a great point, because this, I feel like, is maybe one of the newest things in our, our queer community to really come up and be talked about as a sexual identity and mm -hmm. not just shamed as like, um, you're bad at sex, you're a prude, you've got low libido, you need to go to a doctor, you're like all of these things that's stigmatized. Um, and it's awesome that it's now like, no, no, this is just who I am and how I function. Um, and I don't need to be in hookup culture to have a valid queer identity. Exactly. Well, I do want to go back to what you said about it possibly being low libido. There are a lot of other reasons why someone might try to explain away their lack of sexual desire. Mm. And the key, I think, from my understanding, the way I understand it is the key word is desire. So a person with low libido may want to engage in a sexual interaction, but just may not, like, their body may not be on the same page. Mm -hmm. um, a person who is celibate is choosing not to engage in a sexual interaction. Um, a person who might have other barriers such as trauma or things like that, again, don't necessarily impact the desire. So when we are talking about asexuality, that's the key thing to remember is that it's more of a conscious choice, you know, an asexual person might choose to be, have a sexual interaction with someone or they might not. And bottom line is they don't really owe anyone an explanation for those choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well put. That desire piece is integral here. And that desire, if you have a little libido or if you have um, sexual trauma history or you're abstaining for whatever other reasons 
um, that desire doesn't necessarily go away. Or even like, even if you're, you've like stepped away from a sexual life, you're, it's almost, it can get quieter, but your, your want to want it yes. doesn't go away. Yes. Um, where I think in the asexual and like the great ace place, it, it doesn't really get turned on or that piece doesn't really, that desire yeah. piece doesn't really exist. Or it's extremely rare, um, mm -hmm. unpredictable, maybe just, just has to be a very specific like set of circumstances. Oh, and I do want to mention um, that being asexual or great ace, it doesn't mean that you have, it simply means you don't want to engage in sex with another person like asexual people mm -hmm. do masturbate or they can if they want to they do it's not that they don't ever feel like sexual beings it's that the component of engaging in it with someone else is just mm -hmm. not part of the equation necessarily if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah totally that's a great point how would somebody you've kind of already answered this but like in somebody's experience and as they're kind of asking themselves like you know what maybe this fits me what are some signs that may be popping up or what are some feelings they have or what are some like social engagement cues that might be coming up that would be that would point to like hey maybe you're in the asexual side of things well, I think one of the most common ones that people experience is maybe when they're younger, maybe young adults, um, if they are in a group of friends or friends are talking about sex and talking about it in a way that just doesn't really connect with the way someone is feeling, maybe they don't understand like what the big deal is about, why everyone is so obsessed with it, why it's like people's primary motivation to do things or why people make certain choices. Um, and I think for a lot of people, when, you know, they have that, that kind of initial moment signals to them like, oh, I don't, I don't feel that way. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of folks who identify as asexual have experienced is just realizing that the way other people talk about sex and sexual relationships does not resonate with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, there's a piece of this too where um, that reminds me of how when we are, when someone is ace, it can be a common experience to be like, well, but everybody else feels this way. So I feel like I should put myself in these situations or, okay, I'm going to um, put myself in a sex sexual situation and maybe that'll turn me on and maybe it'll come and maybe it'll make sense and get there. Um, and that kind of like putting yourself in these situations, hoping that it will kind of click on at some point and it never really does, um, I think is also a common thing that, that I hear a lot. Um, and then also trying to figure out, okay, like what, what does that mean that that didn't, mm -hmm. that didn't go anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. I agree that that is common and it's analogous to, you know, someone who is attracted to the same sex, trying to date the opposite sex mm -hmm. because of heteronormativity or what have you. And then 
going through the motions, trying to convince themselves that it's something that they want or that they can at least handle. Um, because like a lot of folks who are raised in a cis-het society, we don't always realize we have the options to mm -hmm. not want X, Y, or Z, or to want mm -hmm. something that has yet to be identified. Yeah. A question that I hear a lot about is people who are ace is, uh, can they be in love? Can they be in a relationship? Do they want a relationship? Um, which part of why I love that asexuality is becoming more of a conversation is it's also helping us pull apart romantic identities and sexual identities because those are different things and they've been historically like lumped into one thing. Yes, I totally agree. Um, and as you said, of course, asexual people and people on the gray a spectrum can be in love, can have romantic relationships. Some people are not romantically attracted to others, which I think is a different podcast um, about <laughs> romanticism, which is comparable, mm -hmm. but focused on romantic feelings instead of sexual. I think the other thing to remember is that not wanting sex doesn't mean you don't want intimacy and that there are a lot of forms that intimacy can take and that there are a lot of ways to be close and connected to someone else and that many people on the asexual spectrum do want those connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that intimacy can be physical. Like it can be like cuddling and being really close and holding hands and mm -hmm. um, having physical intimacy doesn't necessarily mean that's sexual intimacy. Right. Yeah, it can be, I mean, this sounds kind of oversimplified, but it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Well, you know, it's so like that's always such an important thing to say still, because I think, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we're so conditioned in our cishet world that we don't realize the questions that we can ask or like, and I think our job as therapists, one of the biggest pieces of it is making the unconscious conscious. And I think that's a big part of like our collaborative collective queer process is like being able to pull these things out of each other's unconscious and be like, wait, 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 let's, let's talk about this thing and question this thing and um, look at it from all angles and see what's actually going on and what people actually want. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I agree. It's always so um, exciting to work with someone to ask questions that have never, that maybe they haven't asked themselves or that they haven't thought of asking or answering. Um, and to really work to, I think another, also a lot of what we do as therapists is um, supporting people in creating their own narratives of their lives and their identities, um, especially for queer folks. And as you said earlier, asexual identity is, is slowly coming more into the collective conversation and consciousness. Um, and so I think the more conversations we have, the better. Yeah. How, and before we get deeper into kind of asexual relationships, I do think it might be important to pause and talk about um, how trauma and sexuality can show up and kind of look similar to this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any like examples that you would point to that might be more of uh, a trauma response to sexuality versus asexuality? That's a good question. It's going to look different for everyone. Um, Someone, you know, a person who is not asexual may start having sex with someone or engage in a sexual act and then experience a trauma response, uh, which you can talk more about maybe what that might look like. But as we said before, the desire was initially there. Whereas an asexual person, they may be involved in a sexual act with someone, but it's not, I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> Do you have any examples? It's, I mean, this is tough, right? And I well, think this is where uh, a lot of, the deeper work is. And I think, you know, one way to think about it that's helpful for me when I'm working with this is what is the emotional process for somebody when they're engaging in sex with somebody else? And for somebody who's asexual, um, again, different for everybody, but there's kind of, there can be a, a lack of emotion involved in it. It can be a very like conscious decision and we're doing this thing and it's um, thought through much um, more clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, where if it's a trauma response, the desire is there from the beginning. So we're already in an emotional space. And then that can switch to a variety of things where it can switch to fear or it can you can all of a sudden be totally shut down and shut off or you can get um, I mean, flashbacks can be an extreme reaction, but even just like memories or like somebody starts floating in your mind um, or a period of time starts kind of popping up. Um, and then like a distraction can even, like you can be distracted and pulled out of the room. Um, and so I th- one way from that's helpful in this process of exploring it is like, okay, let's take the sex act out of it and let's look at the emotion engagement that's happening through this process um and ace people tend to be able to if they're choosing to engage sexually with somebody they tend to be able to stay in the room and be aware of what's happening even Mm -hmm. if they're in a place where they're like oh maybe i'm not really into this um that that like fuck i need to get out of here response Mm -hmm. tends not to show up as much does that yeah. sound resonate with you in your experience or is? It does, yeah. I think that's a really good explanation and a good way to look at it. Um, so if you are in a relationship with somebody and they you are a, a sexual person and you find out or the partner finds out that they're um, an asexual person. How can some of those boundaries be talked about? How can the romance stay there if the 
if both partners are interested, what are some options that that couples or um, poly people can do in these situations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question because it happens all the time when you know people are in relationships and they their desire or where they're on the spectrum doesn't necessarily align. Um, so communication, of course, is number one. Um, and consent is also number one. They're both number one. <laughs> partner number ones for our partners. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Communication and consent, always, always, always. Uh, and like you said, discussing boundaries. And I think for the partner who is not asexual, it's important to be open, supportive, um, to really listen to what's being said and to understand that it's not a rejection. Um, it's an inherent part of your partner's sexuality, the same way that being queer, whoever they're attracted to maybe. And to just really be willing to engage in that conversation with them with an open mind. Mm -hmm. How you can work out where your boundaries are and what you both want. Yeah. Yeah, I think this too is a, one of those really great places where um, being able to look at the relationship and from different angles and make the relationship what you want and what works for both people. Mm -hmm. um, just because one person is ace doesn't mean that the other people has person has to act ace and vice versa just because one person is sexual doesn't mean the other person has to act sexual mm -hmm. and so really saying okay what it is is it about each other that we're into and why is this working and great and what are what do we both need in a relationship that this dynamic isn't providing and how do we supplement that mm -hmm. yeah exactly any other like closing thoughts about asexuality? I mean, I think we, even in talking, I'm like, oh, well, we need to talk about demisexuals and we need to talk about like romance versus sexuality. And like, I feel like we came up with 10 more topics, but. It's always always box once you start. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's not always crucial to put a label on yourself. It can be helpful. Um, it can help you find community. Uh, it can help you to articulate your wants and needs. Um, and also, I always find it helpful to understand that labels can shift and change over time. The way you feel might shift and change over time, or it might not. Um, every ace identity is valid, and you know, you have a place in the queer community as in a person who is ace. And that's really. Yeah, that's well, it. That's exactly it. That's, beautiful. that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. Valid and fluid and allowing yourself permission to label yourself if that works and not if it doesn't. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you've joined us um, and we're going to hear so much from you more. Um, <laughs> And in the meantime, um, you can find us on um, all the social medias, uh, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, Open Space 
therapy or open space therapy collective um and we will be back in a couple weeks thanks again yay bye <laughs> Thanks for joining us. If you're in California looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists to see if we're the right fit for you. My Therapist Is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, Tara Friedman, and Renee Johnson. Our admin and communications coordinator is Riley Andresen. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Leave us a comment below or email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok at Open Space Therapy and on YouTube and Instagram at Open Space Therapy Collective. If you're enjoying My Therapist Is Out, please rate, comment, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.